This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It was midsummer when I got the message from my friend, Sam. I was lying in the January sun in my back garden with my dog Brutus at my side when I decided to open up Instagram and saw I had a message. It read, Hey Cassie, Kyle, Olive, Thea, and I are getting together to go camping in a week, and I was really hoping you could come. I sat straight up causing a sigh from Brutus, who had been leaning his head on my shoulder. I wrote back, Yeah, of course. Can I bring Brutus? Immediately, my phone pinged with their response. Good idea. Scare away the cryptids you're always talking about, lol. They were right. I was obsessed with the paranormal, especially cryptids. So, come Monday, when it was time to leave, I was sure to bring my notebook, Polaroid camera, and of course, my knife. Although realistically, the last one was mostly for self-defense against any weirdos we meet out there. My family always says I'm paranoid, but it's better safe than sorry, you know. We decided to take my off-roader so we could head deeper into the woods without having to carry our stuff, so after chucking my backpack in the trunk, I drove toward my closest friend, Kyle's house. When I stopped outside his house, he was already waiting in the driveway. He jumped into the middle set of seats, wanting to sit next to Brutus. The huge black dog was stretched across the back seat, sluggish from the heat, but he offered Kyle a tail wag of acknowledgement as my friend began to pet him. Hey dude, I said, greeting my friend. Hey, he responded. There was a pause before he leaned forward. So, Olive's coming on the trip, huh? Shut up, I said. It's not like I have a chance with her, anyways. He leaned back, smiling. Just be yourself. You'll be fine. You should really just ask her. I hit the play button on my phone's Spotify playlist and turned it up way too loud to drown him out. We proceeded to pick up Olive from her house a quaint cottage nearby, and then Sam and Thea from their apartment in the city. By the time we reached the highway, it was nearing 5pm. I turned down the music and we were sitting and talking to pass the time. 
After an hour or so, I turned off onto a smaller road and started heading for the campsite. Hey Cassie, how long until we get there? Kyle asked, who was still patting Brutus. I shrugged, not taking my eyes off the road. Sounds like a question for the navigator, was my response. He turned to Olive, who was in the seat next to me with her phone linked up to the GPS. Should be about a half an hour until we reach the brush, then another hour or so down the track to the campsite. He slumped back with a resigned sigh, his arms crossed over his stomach. Can we stop for a break soon? We stopped just before we got onto the highway. You'll live. He returned to patting Brutus. After a moment, Sam spoke up. Cassie, why don't you tell what you'll think we'll see tonight? The others perked up, watching me. Well, wakas, a type of bird, are pretty common in this area. The occasional deer, possibly. If we're lucky, we'll hear the birds calling. This far out, we might even see one, if we're quiet. That would be excellent, but I more meant the creepy stuff. You know, your area. It was my turn to perk up. Although I'm far from an expert on cryptids or the paranormal, I know my fair share of information. Certainly more than the others. It's highly unlikely we'll see anything unnatural, you know. I never see anything at this campsite, and even if there were, it's a million to one we'd run into it. We're more likely to run into a druggie. Speaking of which, do we all have our phones? And we remember the buddy system? Okay, mom, replied Kyle, rolling his eyes. I just want to keep everyone safe, I responded evenly, suppressing a smile. There was another pause until Thea leaned forward to continue the questions. Seriously though, even if it's unlikely we'd see anything, what do you think's out there? I decided I'd refrain from scaring my friends for long enough. Well, it's the woods, so you never know. My best guess could be some kind of crawler, a stickman or something like that. Of course, normally my first thought would be a skinwalker or wendigo, but I believe those are only in America. Some kind of dogman might be possible actually. Dior, perhaps. Hold up, back up the bus, said Kyle. You're acting like I know all of these words. Yeah, said Sam. What on earth is a Dior? I settled back in my chair, easing up on the accelerator as I turned down a dirt road heading towards the approaching tree line. Well, it's basically a deer, but something's not right, you know. Too many joints in the legs, or even the legs bent totally backwards. Sharp teeth with a mouth that hangs open like a dog's. I've even heard of some that can bend their necks with a joint. Kyle shivered. I think the creepiest thing about them, though, is their eyes. Set forward on their face instead of on the side, like a deer's should be. Like a predator? said Olive. Exactly, I replied, pleased. Most reports say they're pretty harmless, though. Just because they say they could rip you into pieces might not mean they want to. Like Brutus, I suppose. I reach into the back seat and pet Brutus, who responded by licking my hand. Regardless, best to keep a distance. As soon as I finished, Thea had a question. You mentioned crawlers. Flesh gates? What are those? 
The sunlight was slowly starting to fade, so I flipped on the headlights before answering. Humanoids, you know. Crawlers is a pretty broad term, pretty much covers anything that's more or less human-shaped, but not quite. Too tall, too thin, often less facial features than you'd expect. Flesh gates are shapeshifters. Think Skinwalker, but without the ties to Native American culture. And those things are real? And they're out there? Said Kyle, concern on his face as he leaned a little closer to Brutus. I shrugged. I reckon all of those sightings can't come from nowhere. As for in this place specifically, no idea. But don't worry about it too much. As I said, it's highly unlikely we'll see one. Kyle nodded, still looking a bit worried. Olive spoke from next to me, placing her hand briefly on my shoulder as she did. My heart skipped a beat as she did, and I had to force my eyes on the road so I didn't go red. I barely heard her question over my own minor panic, but after a second, I registered her words. Is there anything paranormal that actually scares you? I took a deep breath before responding. Remembering what Kyle said, just be yourself. Well, obviously I'd be terrified if I ever actually came across one of these freaky things, but in terms of just chatting, not really. It was pretty quiet after that. Soon enough, I reached the woods and we started down the old trail, my car's wheels easily carrying us over the rocks, roots, and even the occasional stream. Not long after the sun had fully set, Kyle sat straight up. Do you hear that? I slammed on the brakes and looked out the window at where he was pointing. Sure enough, the bushes were rustling. We stayed quiet. Olive leaning over to me, looking out my window. Her closeness pulled me out of my focus for a moment before I returned my eyes on the rustling, which was quickly coming closer. The tension in the car was palpable and I could see Kyle looking scared in my peripheral. Maybe I shouldn't have taught them about cryptids after all. But before I could ponder much longer, a deer sprung from the bushes and leaped in front of the car across from us. As it passed, I noticed one of its antlers seemed to have been snapped to clean off. Weird. Everyone jumped backwards in shock at the sudden appearance of the deer. But once we all saw what it was, we all started laughing. Wow, Kyle. That was scary. A deer. Ooh. Sam continued to make ghost noises, and Thea and I joined in. Kyle rolled his eyes. Whatever, guys. You were just as scared as I was. It could have been a monster. Nope. All its eyes and legs were in the right places, said Thea. The only cryptid around here is Sam, and I think they're with us. I laughed and started up the car, continuing on. Motion in the rearview mirror caught my attention, and... As the others laughed, I watched something leap across the road. Something about the way it moved made me nervous, but when I tried to look closer, it was gone. I shook it off as a trick of my mind, which makes me sound like just another stupid horror story protagonist, I know. But to be fair, it's not uncommon for my mind to play tricks on me. Something to do with my anxiety, I've been told. I easily put it out of my mind as I had trained myself to do so, and kept driving, chatting with my friends until we reached the campsite. I pulled the tent out of the trunk and marked where we were going to set it up. You four should set up the tent. Why don't you have to help? 
asked Kyle. I just drove four hours, Kyle. I think I can allocate the chores. I'm useless at setting that thing up anyway. I turned to head into the tree line at the edge of the clearing, but was stopped again. Where are you going? asked Sam. Their look followed my path. I'll go get some wood and start up a fire. I set off into the trees, flicking on my flashlight as I did. I started picking up sticks, carefully inspecting each one for any small animals I didn't want to accidentally set ablaze. As I turned one over, a small vagrant spider crawled out onto my hand. I smiled, crouched down, and gently deposited him on the soft ground. There you go, sir. When I stood up, I noticed something strange. The night sounded quieter somehow. The cicadas still chirped, but something seemed almost mechanical about their sounds. I listened for the nighttime birds or possums, but nothing reached my ears. Weird, I murmured to myself. I hastily inspected a few more sticks and carried my bundle back to the campsite. By the time I returned, the sound had returned to normal. The familiar call of the nearby birds reassured me, and I dumped the sticks in the center of the clearing. Between the four of them, my friends had managed to wrestle my family's giant tent into shape. Brutus was already snoring inside, seemingly exhausted despite having done nothing all day. I pulled a matchbox from my backpack, lit it, and started the fire. You guys, start bringing over some logs for us to sit on. I instructed my friends as I gently encouraged the fire to grow. Once it had grown to an acceptable size, I stood up, walked over to the car. I grabbed Brutus's bed and a bag of marshmallows from the back and dropped it next to the logs, calling him to join us. He stiffly rose his paws and lumbered over to it accepting a pat on the head before flopping down on his bed with an audible flump. I sat down on the log's end, spearing a marshmallow before chucking the bag to Thea, who had sat next to me. We sat for a while, laughing and chatting. Eventually, I reached down to check the time before remembering that I thought I'd left my phone in the tent. Hey, does anyone have the time? I asked. Kyle put his hands in his pocket before freezing and slowly turning to me with a sheepish look. Uh, Cassie, what have you done? Normally, he'd rolled his eyes at my instant assumption, but this time he just continued talking slowly, as if trying not to get in trouble. I think I left my phone when we stopped to use the bathroom. We had to stop for a bathroom break after the deer encounter, about 10 minutes before we arrived to the campsite, because Brutus started whining and I didn't want to risk him doing his business on the seat. We'll get it first thing tomorrow, I said, shaking my head in mild annoyance. But Cassie, it, it might rain, and you know I don't have the money to replace the thing. Can't you just go back and have a quick check? Fine, but if I get there and I don't see it, I'm coming straight back. I briefly considered taking Brutus, but I knew he'd be reluctant to leave the warmth of the fire to follow me down a less than well-maintained path. Just as I stood up, Kyle motioned for me to stop. You can't go alone. It's not safe. Maybe Olive could go with you. Jerk, I thought to myself. Even deep in the forest, in the middle of the night, he still has to try to set me up. If anyone should go, it's you. You're the one who dropped the thing. He shook his head quickly. Nuh-uh. I've got little legs, remember? I'll slow you down. 
especially this late at night. You know I'm right. I'm glad you're finally admitting it, I said with another sigh. Olive, do you mind? She smiled and stood up. Course not. Maybe we'll even see a bird, like you said. Maybe, I replied with a grin. Then you'll wish you had gone, I said to Kyle as we walked out of the clearing. He ignored me. As we walked down the track, I kept my guard up, constantly scanning the trees on each side for a sign of any unsavory people hiding in the night. Was I worried about confrontation? Not really. Not only am I around six foot three, I'm pretty heavy built, especially for a 17 year old. And if I had to punch someone, then let's just say it wouldn't be my first rodeo. Nonetheless, I didn't want them getting the element of surprise. Maybe I'm a little paranoid after all. The track was muddy and uneven, and I had to slow my pace a little so Olive could negotiate through the dips and puddles. As we chatted, I found myself starting to relax a little. I still kept my eyes and ears open, but something about her smile and infectious laugh made me feel a little less nervous in the darkness. A few minutes before we reached the spot, we came across a small stream about a meter wide. Not wanting to get my shoes wet, I leaned over and turned around to where Olive was about to jump. I held my hand out to her, and she took it without hesitation. I helped her cross the gap, and she smiled that gorgeous smile. Thanks, Cassie, she said. My heart leaped as she did, and I smiled back. No problem, ma'am, I responded jokingly, adding a little bow. She laughed and continued down the track, knowing I'd catch up in a second. Once we arrived, I started to look around for Kyle's lost phone. I cast my flashlight beam around, hoping to catch a reflection of either the phone's screen or the obnoxious pink case he kept it in. Olive was looking around on the other side of the road, her own beam bouncing around my peripheral when it stopped sharply. I turned around. Found it? I asked, following the beam of her torch into the trees. She slowly shook her head. No, I, I thought I saw something in the trees. I raised my flashlight scanning the forest. No sign of movement. Let's go back, I said, starting to head back up the path. I don't think the phone's here anyways. She didn't argue, just nodded and followed my lead. Sensing her uneasiness, I gave her a reassuring smile and flipped my torch in the air, catching it, holding it like a weapon. Don't worry, I'll protect you from anyone out here. She giggled. Or anything. I nodded with a chuckle, but as soon as I had, I felt a cold chill. She had brought my mind back to cryptids, and I noticed for the first time that the forest was silent. The birds hadn't made a noise since we had left the campsite. I couldn't hear rustling of the small animals in the brush, and the only thing my ears could pick up on was the same mechanical cicada chirps from before. The more I listened, the more unnatural they sounded, as if someone was playing a recording on loop. I picked up my pace a little, ushering Olive forward. She looked at me in confusion, as if to ask why. Bit cold, I said, as quietly as I could without alarming her. We rounded a corner before Olive suddenly stopped us in our tracks. She inhaled a sharp breath of air, as if she'd seen something shocking. A sense of dread washed over me as I followed her look to the damaged body that blocked the path. Is that... 
a deer? She asked, eyes wide with disgust and fear. I grimaced, looking it over. I think it used to be. I replied grimly. It was torn almost beyond recognition, broken and stuff jutting from its back. I felt sick to my stomach, unable to tear my look from its eyes. The broken antler on its head confirmed what I had feared. This was the same deer as before. I had seen something chasing it in my rearview mirror. Whatever this thing was, it had been stalking us since we had entered the woods, waiting for someone to leave the safety and light of the campsite. I cursed under my breath and realized we might be in serious trouble. Just as I thought I couldn't get any more scared, I heard a voice from behind me. There you go, sir. The voice, coming from a few meters behind us, was my own. Distorted and strained, but unrecognizably mine. I felt the color drain from my face as it repeated what I had said to that little spider only hours before. I felt Olive start to turn beside me, but I grabbed her arm to stop her. Don't look at it. Don't respond to it. Don't even acknowledge it. Look down if you can. Just follow my lead, okay? I whispered, waiting for her nod of agreement before taking a slow step forward. As I slowly stepped over the deer, my shoes instantly became splashed with its crimson fluids. Olive grabbed my hand, and I squeezed it reassuringly. Careful not to look at the path behind us as I did, she stepped over the deer, her breath shaking, and we slowly continued up the path. Every step we took, we heard the crunching of leaves behind us. My heart raced and my mind reeled with pure terror as I forced myself not to sprint into the trees. I knew full well that whatever this thing was, we couldn't outrun it. After a couple of minutes, it spoke again. Thank you, Cassie. I winced as it said my name, the voice I loved now striking terror into my heart. I heard Olive whimper a little as she heard her own voice coming from this thing. I squeezed her hand again making sure she knew I was right there. We walked in tense silence, other than the occasional word from the creature. When we were only a couple of minutes from the camp, disaster struck. I tripped over a root, landing hard on the ground and wincing as I felt a rock get my skin. The sudden movement seemed to excite the creature as I suddenly heard it pick up its pace considerably. I leaped back to my feet and once again grabbed Olive's arm before sprinting down the path Run, I yelled, but she was already caught up to me. My breath was quick and heavy with fear, my leg screaming in pain as I was forced to bear it with my weight. Run, run, run. It repeated my yells over and over, as if taunting us. It probably was. I felt panic rise as I heard the calls coming closer. Even if we're nearly at the campsite, we'll never beat it. I veered off the path, pulling Olive with me. We ducked down behind a bush a few feet from the path, trying to quiet our heavy breathing. I heard it skid to a stop a few feet ahead and turn around, sniffing to try to catch our scent. I silently prayed to any and all gods I could think of that it didn't find us. To my horror, the disgusting sniffing grew closer until it finally stopped, inches from our hiding spot. Found it? The annotation was just the same as when I had asked Olive if she had found the phone, but I knew that the connotations had changed. It was telling us it had found us. 
For a few moments, there was a complete silence in the forest, aside from my heart hammering in my chest, and Olive's muffled sobs as she buried her face into my shoulder. There was nothing. No indication it had moved closer or any further away. It didn't even bother to fill the silence with the fake cicada sounds it had tried to trick us with earlier. Suddenly, it leaped over the bush where we hid and stood before us. As much as I didn't want to, we finally saw it in all of its repulsive glory. Its arms and legs were ridiculously long and thin. Its legs bent backwards at the knees like it was some kind of insect. Even on all fours, it was a solid five feet tall. I saw its ribs slide under its skin as it took a breath. Its bulbous veins bulging with every beat of its unnatural heart. It tilted its head to the side, bones cracking under the skin as its neck bent like the joints of a finger. The severed antler of the deer hung from its jaws, caught between two of its needle-like teeth. Teeth seemed to sprout at random from its gums, creating a jagged minefield of spikes and stumps. What I initially thought was just ingrown teeth and chunks of flesh quickly made me sick to my stomach as I realized they were, in fact, human teeth amongst the fangs. Its tongue hung from its mouth, slick and unnatural. I avoided eye contact for as long as I could, but eventually it grabbed my gaze like a fisherman hooking in his catch. Its eyes were completely human, so out of place on its pale, expressionless face that they were scarier than any of the blackened holes you hear about could ever be. In that moment, I knew it was the end. I wrapped my arms around Olive for a moment before moving to a stand. She tried to pull me back, but I was stronger, forcing my shaking legs to hold me upright as a tear rolled down my cheek. I pulled my knife from my belt and held it just out of view at my side. Run, I said quietly to Olive. She hesitated, not wanting to leave me, but after a moment, she did as instructed. The creature jolted to the side as if to go after her but I held its look and it slowly returned to how it was standing before. It crept towards me, sniffling at me through the holes in its face, I assumed was its nostrils. The deer antler dislodged from its teeth and landed on the ground with a sickening thud. The unholy amalgamation of human and animal continued to sneak towards me, and the moment it was within reach, I stuck my knife into its pale, moldy skin. It shrieked in pain its horrific screech making my ears ring. It flung me into a nearby tree, knocking the wind out of me. It scuttled towards me, and I closed my eyes in preparation for the worst. Just as I felt its breath on me, I heard a loud barking from a few feet behind the creature. It spun around, and as it did, it moved just enough to let me see what was happening. Brutus, my gentle giant who had never so much as growled at a passing cat, was snarling and snapping its teeth like some kind of mad dog. Before I'd fully registered what was happening, there was a disgusting squelch and the creature once again shrieked in agony. The antler from before protruded from its left eye. Black liquid sprayed from the wound as the olive stood over its body. Good thinking, I said, before leaping over it and making a beeline for the campsite. When we got back, the others had already packed everything into their car and were waiting for us. Thea, who was in the driver's seat, honked the horn in recognition, and Kyle flung the door open and leapt into the back row. Olive, Brutus, and I piled into the middle seat, slamming the door, and Olive yelled at Thea to step on it. 
The car roared into motion as we raced down the trail as fast as we could go without running the risk of crashing. With no warning, a figure sprung from the bushes and landed on the hood of the car with a thunk as it dented the metal. Thea screamed and swerved the car side to side, trying to dislodge the thing. It dug its long, claw-like fingers into the hood and shrieked, raising one more hand and scratching the windshield. Thea floored the gas and the sudden boost of speed sent it flying into the glass, cracking it as it did, and then it fell under the wheels of the car. We mowed it down and didn't stop, desperate to get out of there as fast as we could. I looked back in the rearview mirror and watched as it popped its slime back into place and scurried into the bushes. Disturbing as it was, I didn't care. I was safe. Soon enough, we were free from the forest and heading back down the dirt road. As soon as we returned to the highway, Thea changed her route, and within the hour, we had arrived to the nearest hospital. Olive and the others waited with me as the doctors disinfected the wound and stitched me up. Despite us being shaken up to our very cores, we chatted and even cracked a few jokes about the thing, because hey, what else can you do? My parents arrived a couple hours later, armed with snacks and a few blankets from my friends and I. If it weren't for the traumatic event only a few hours before, and the fact I was lying in the hospital bed, suffering from blood loss, it probably would have been nice. That was a few weeks ago now. In case you're wondering, yeah, me and Olive got together. I wish it hadn't taken a horrific cryptid to get us there. But hey, that's life. The car was a pain to get fixed, but other than that, I'm doing okay. Judging by the group therapy sessions, I think we all are. One thing's for sure though, I'm never going into those woods again. I had heard of skinwalkers before, but always just assumed they were Native American versions of werewolves so I never gave them much thought. Until last week when one of my coworkers at my new job told me that they were the most feared folklore creature. He's originally from Utah, so that makes sense. He suggested some YouTube videos to watch on the subject, and after work that night, I binged about four or five of the videos. I totally understand his stance on them now. I live in rural South Carolina, so, completely honest, I wasn't too worried about the possibility of running into one. My coworker told me that they're basically a Midwestern thing. I'd be more worried about Wendigos if I were you, he joked the day after I watched the videos. We had a good chat about skinwalkers and Wendigos during our shift and just reveled in the creepiness of them. I mentioned how one of the tales said that the more you talk about the skinwalkers, the more they're drawn to you and he made a sarcastic ghost noise to keep the mood light. That night, I showed the videos to my fiance. She was way more creeped out than I was. I became kind of obsessed. I love scary things and couldn't help watch every video I came across. I discussed skinwalkers with my other horror enthusiast friends, looked up skinwalker art, read true skinwalker stories on Reddit, just dove headfirst into all things skinwalker. This went on for a few days until I started feeling a bit burned out on the subject. I live in a fairly nice neighborhood where all of the houses are on one side of the street. 
On the other side is the property that used to belong to the local elementary school. The building is on the next street over, so basically, it was like the school's backyard or whatever. The school shut down about 30 or 40 years ago, and the county just let nature reclaim it. So directly across from my house is an old chain-link fence and just overgrown woods. About two nights ago while I was outside, I heard leaves rustling across the street. I didn't bother looking up from my phone. I live across from woods. It was probably a deer. The rustling stopped. Then it started again, and it sounded like whatever was out there was running back and forth along the fence line, panting like a dog. This caught my attention. There had been a few rabies cases in the town two months back, so a strange dog running around in the middle of the night was definitely something I'd want to keep an eye on. I look up from my phone in the direction of the sounds, and they just stop. It was like they knew I noticed it. I strained my eyes to see what it was, but it was obscured by the overgrowth. I didn't look away, must have stared at that spot for at least a minute. I didn't make another sound, didn't move again, so I knew it was still there. A chill ran down my spine and I began to think of every Skinwalker video I had watched over the last week and I felt sick to my stomach. I quickly went inside. The next morning I took my dog out for a short walk. She's a pug zoo named Honey and is like my child. My fiance and I taught her that pee pee poo poo means time to go outside to go potty. It's the cutest thing. Anyway, this particular morning I had to take her outside to the front yard to do her business. She does her business and then walks around sniffing for about five minutes before walking to the side of the street and sitting down. She's never done this before, so I was a little annoyed. I tugged on her leash lightly and tried to coax her back inside the house. Come on, honey. Gotta go poo-poo? She didn't budge. This dog could be stubborn sometimes, but this was something else. She tugged back against the leash and just stared across the street, sniffing the air occasionally. It was then I realized she was staring at the exact spot that I heard the thing the night before. I got goosebumps and I quickly picked her up and began walking back to the house. As I got closer, I noticed something on the ground on my front steps. It was one of the Halloween decorations my fiancé had hung up on our house. Plastic black roses with plastic eyeballs and spiders on them. The stems were wire so they can be wrapped around things to keep them secured. This flower was torn apart. Something had come on my porch, taken down the flower and torn it apart, leaving it laying on my front steps. I picked up the flower and threw it away. I didn't tell my fiancé. I didn't want to freak her out. The rest of the day went by uneventfully. That night, I told my coworker about what happened, and he looked a little concerned, but brushed it off. He said what I heard was most likely just a dog, and the flower was probably knocked down by the wind. I had my doubts. As I was walking to my door after getting home from work last night, I heard the same panting as the night before, and the clicking of claws against asphalt. I turned quickly to see a dog that looked like a brown mangy bull terrier hauling down my street. The street is probably 40 feet away from my porch, so I couldn't get a great look at it, but I could tell it was only running on three legs because one looked mangled. 
It turned quickly and darted into the tree line across the street through a part of the fence that had been pulled back. The fence wasn't like that earlier in the day. That's when I noticed the dog didn't have a tail. I almost threw up. Skinwalker legends say that when they take the form of an animal, they never have tails. I tried to rationalize it to myself. Maybe it just had a stub tail and I missed it because I was running. I immediately went inside. My fiance was sitting on the porch petting honey. She could see I was upset and asked me what was wrong. I told her nothing. Just almost got clipped by a car before I pulled into the driveway. She got up, hugged me, and cursed that person that almost hit me. She asked me if I could take Honey out because she had been creeped out by all the spooky videos we've been watching and didn't feel comfortable going outside at night by herself. Honey perked up. She ran to the door and looked between me and the door, whining excitedly. I stared down at her for a moment before agreeing to it. I'll just keep her close to the porch, I thought. We walked off the porch and she immediately tried to walk to the street. I tugged on the leash and she tugged back, eventually moseyed her way to the edge of the porch and did her business. After she began walking around sniffing, I told her the usual line, Come on honey, gotta go poo poo? She huffled at me, sniffed around some more, and eventually started. I was on edge the entire time we were outside but being around her helped calm me down a little. I then heard it from across the street. Come on, honey. My voice, in the exact same tone and inflection as I had just said it, it sounded staticky, like an old radio broadcast. But it was definitely my voice. Honey stopped what she was doing and stood alert. She looked over at me with a confused look. Come on, honey. Again, my voice filled across the street. Honey began whining, looking from me to the woods across the street. I picked her up and began walking back up the steps, not taking my eyes off the part of the fence that had once been pulled back. Honey, come. The voice sounded firm now, like it was getting aggravated. Honey squirmed in my arms, whining. I didn't know if she was trying to get out to go run to the voice or to run inside, but I wasn't taking any chances. I turned and bolted up the steps and to the door. As I walked inside, I turned one last time to look across the street. There, standing in the part of the fence that was pulled back, was the dog. Its eyes were glowing a dull orange and it had its teeth bared. The fence was all wrong, like someone had taken a distortion tool and just dragged it around random features. Once again, I didn't tell my fiancé. Stupid horror movie cliché crap. I know, but I really don't want her losing her mind. I just told her there's a strange dog running around in the neighborhood, so to not take Honey out at night. Later that night, after we had gone to bed, I woke up again with the sounds of footsteps pacing back and forth outside my window. Against my better judgment, I rolled over to try to see it. I don't, but the pacing stops. Come on, Honey. My voice called out cutting through the quiet of the night. I prayed my fiancé didn't hear. It called out two more times before I heard it walking away. I didn't sleep a wink the rest of the night. Today, when I get to work, I'm going to ask my coworker what I can do to get rid of this thing. I'm scared. I don't think there's a way. If anyone knows anything, please let me know.